Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Elizabeth Dutton. Zarin Burnett. So glad to see you. I'm glad to see me too. I know, right? I'm we're just we're looking both in a so mirror. lucky. I know. I got a question for you while you're done yes, looking sir. at yourself. Um, <laughs> do you know what's ridiculous? I do. Now, hold on. This, is, this might with... take a while. Okay. Okay, we've been inundated with suggestions uh-huh. for um, a certain spirit, uh-huh. a certain liquor. Uh-huh. Um, Doritos is all about disrupting culture and uh. bringing our fans unexpected, bold experiences. Okay, so Doritos has a liquor. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know. It's just like a distilled whatever. It's apparently vacuum distilled, so it really tastes like a Dorito. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, the flavor is nacho cheese, corn, tostada, umami, and a hint of acidity. <sighs> and you can use it for margaritas, Bloody Marys, old fashions, neat and, or over ice, or any way Doritos fans like, says the press release. Yeah. Okay, so whatever, right? Uh-huh. I got that out of the way. Sure. I mean, it's like literally hundreds of people uh-huh. have been telling us about this. But then, you know who swooped in? Who? Marie Noel. Ah, Marie. Now, she's a new friend of the show now. Okay. She sent us a great email. Uh, she said, before I get into all the ridiculous stuff, I want to let you know how much I enjoy your podcast. It never fails to make me laugh. Hey, thanks, Marie. I used to listen to it when I went out for a run, but one day I laughed so hard that it made me cough and I couldn't catch my breath. A nice lady even stopped by to make sure I was okay and wasn't about to die. Oh, no. So I did the only thing I could do. I stopped running altogether. <laughs> now your podcast makes me giggle during my commute to and from work. We are your We've exercise. Won. We've made someone stop running. <laughs> we did it. We did it, Joe. Um, okay, so here's the thing, though. She also included that she's like, you know what? I'm sure everyone's sending you the Doritos thing, but let me let me take you to the next level. Oh, there's another level? Yeah, so she sent a link to this Tamworth Distilling Company. All right. And they have a line of booze called House of Tamworth. Ooh. Now, there are five. There's smoked trout-flavored brandy. Oh, jeez. Right? Crab trapper. Oh, God. Crab-flavored whiskey. Oh, Eau de musk, which is, I don't know, some sort of, like, muskrat, whatever. Somehow that sounds the best so far. Deer slayer venison-flavored whiskey. Oh, Then we get Lord. to my favorite. There's a favorite? Yeah. 
unholy rye. <laughs> and the tagline is, I drink dead people. Oh, God. It's called Grave Why? Robber. Oh, dear Grave Lord. Robber Unholy Rye. Grave Robber is an unholy rye whiskey infused with maple syrup tapped from graveside maple trees. <laughs> On the property of Tamworth <sighs> Distilling lies a malignant old maple whose a roots burrow deep into the nearly unmarked colonial era graveyard. Oh, what would happen if we tapped some of the sinister sap, sap and added it to our whiskey? Spicy yet sweet. Evil yet divine, the life of a grave robber begins when yours ends. They broke the Jeff Goldblum maxim. They did, they said uh, rather than asking, you know, should we? They just <laughs> went ahead and did it. It is the most oh god my thing god. to like. I have like the. I don't know. I can't even get my head around. Is that it. considered like goth like whiskey? I mean, like is that like? I think do you it want is. that? Is you that... know that it's syrup tapped from the graveside maple trees. Oh. God, I'm just woo-woo-y enough to be like, no. Yeah, meet me at the cemetery gates. Luckily, I had been prepared for this, I thought, by listener Eric Buckholt, who sent me a, it's and told, warned oh, me did. that I you'd remember. be throwing these Doritos at me, and then you still got past still that got, I, and brought the unholy Eric, whiskey. Eric told you. He warned you. Yes, I'm not on Twitter you, anymore, but I used to see him on there all the time. Yes. But see, Marie Noel... She brought the it. Elizabeth Army. She's my ne- new she's my new number one rude dude. Damn. Yeah, there you go. Okay, well, you, you got a it's second? It's ridiculous yeah, oh, is what I'm saying. Beyond ridiculous. And I'm sorry that took so long, you but may it was all very necessary. The pale. Yes, I have. Oh, my God. <laughs> How am I going to adjust to that? Okay, well, do you, do you have a second? Of course I do. Because I got one for What you. else am I going to do today? Okay, you remember when Obama was president? I do. I remember that. All right, okay. Did you know I went to his uh, first inauguration? You did? Mm-hmm. But how was it? Was it good? What's your Amazing. review? It was really great. How many stars? Uh, I'd say eight out of five. Wow. Yeah, big, good. big momentous occasion yeah, for you. It was you. fun. Okay. So do you I remember? I saw Tyne Daly in real life. Not the Tyne uh-huh. Daly. Yeah, Tim Daly's sister, mm-hmm. Cagney and Lacey, Tyne yeah, Daly. from about half a block away. Wow. It's pretty crazy. That's, that, that's what you came away with. You're uh-huh. like, there's Tyne Daly. Uh-huh. Also Obama's president. Yep. That okay. too, P.S. Well, <laughs> do you remember the news during the Obama presidency when a Taekwondo fighting martial arts instructor and part-time Elvis impersonator attempted to kill the president with rice and powder? No, wait, no. I no? missed that. I well, missed that. You're in luck. Have I got a story for you today? Hell yeah. <laughs> This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> Elizabeth, I have three questions for you today. One, two, three. Do you like Mississippi? Uh, sure. You ever been to Tupelo, Mississippi? Yes, Do I you have. You have? Uh-huh. Do you, did you like it? Yeah, it was all right. Memorable? Sure. Did you go there to see Elvis's birthplace? No. Did you? Do you like Elvis? That's my third question. No. Okay, I got a bonus question. <laughs> yeah. You ever heard of the song "The Tupelo Mississippi Flash"? No. All right. It kind of goes like this. He said, "Son, my name is Beauregard Ripley. I come to you from Tupelo, Mississippi. I write songs and sing like a bird. And I play licks on me guitar like you ain't never heard." Now that is a Jerry Reed song. Oh, okay. okay. I know AKA Jerry. the snowman from Smokey and the Bandit, uh-huh. or Waterboy, the coach from the rival team in Waterboy. Anyway, right. 
This track is a teasing nod to the fact that Elvis is from Tupelo, the sure. Tupelo, Mississippi Flash. It was a kick for Jerry Reed when Elvis actually performed a cover of that very same song because Elvis was one of Jerry Reed's heroes growing up, much like Jerry Reed was one of my heroes growing up. Right. But of course, I did not grow up. And just to like be a you were one man. of you were one of my heroes growing up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, Elvis, he's the mountaintop, right? He was the goat to Mindy a Southerner. Like, did you know even my father loves Elvis? I think you've mentioned that before. My black nationalist father loves Elvis. which is great. He even named his dog Elvis. Oh, he did? Yeah. He's out there, (laughs) hey, king! I'm like, oh, dad. (laughs) Anyway, so Tupelo, Mississippi, birthplace of Elvis, it's Uh steeped in Elvis lore. And much like the rest of the South, it's a a place where you're going to find a fair share of nuts. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah. As my man Jerry Reed would say, I said, watch him, everybody. That boy is squirrely. (laughs) Now- All of this will prime us for the story I'm about to tell you, the cat that I want to tell you about today. This squirrely dude was an Elvis superfan. Oh, okay. And like Elvis, he was from Tupelo, Mississippi. I've known some serious Elvis superfans. Totally. Well, he was a fellow Tupelo, Mississippi martial arts master. Oh. Like, that's how far he took it. And one day, he was accused (laughs) of trying to kill the president. Oh, God. Yeah. There's so much more to this story than that, though. (laughs) So in 2013, the first news articles announced the FBI was investigating this ricin incident, Mm -hmm. right? The Guardian over in the UK, they reported on April 18th, 2013, quote, A man accused of mailing letters with suspected ricin to President Barack Obama and other officials believed he'd uncovered a conspiracy to sell human body parts on the black market and claimed, quote, various parties within the government, quote, were trying to ruin his reputation. So, Uh Paul Kevin Curtis, that's our cat. All right, PCC. 45 years old old at the time. Or PKC. Yeah, PKC. Kevin with a C. He was, he's the man in seven. question. He's, he meets my friend, Seven. <laughs> so he's accused of threatening Barack Obama with a powdery toxin sent through the mail, right? Uh-huh. Okay, now on the face of it, this story seems outrageous, but yet it kind of makes sense. Kind of right? nutrageous. Yeah, no, no, right? For real, though. Sure. A paranoid man from Mississippi convinced there's a secret cabal of body part brokers working on the black market, protected by elected officials, decides, I'm going to kill the president. You know what that is? What? Ridiculous. That's <laughs> right. Hey, uh... But the story, it feels kind of familiar. Like, I believe, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for our days, these days, oh, like yeah, people seriously. are like, oh, I'm going to blow up my RV because of the president or right, whatever, right? right? But you throw in the Elvis impersonator part. Mm-hmm. Now you got a real story. Sweetness. Now it's international. So that's when it gets sideways. Anyway, who is this cat? Paul Kevin Curtis. Mm. Seven. Now, <laughs> for one, he prefers to be called Kevin. So we'll call him Kevin Curtis, not Paul Curtis. Now, okay. at best as I could glean. Casey. Old Casey's early life was strange. Okay. Now, this is primarily due to his Elvis-loving mama. Mm. Yeah. At a very early age, Kevin, he was a childhood prodigy, Elizabeth. Okay. As an Elvis impersonator. Wait, he was a child? He was a child El- prodigy no. Elvis impersonator. No, I will not allow it. <laughs> he was no. Kid Elvis. Kid Elvis. Now, you ever heard of the Mexican Elvis, Elvez? Yes, I yes? have. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. about him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's my favorite of the Elvis impersonators. <laughs> but then there's also, I think, one you like, Dread Zeppelin. The Led Zeppelin cover band oh, that had yes. Elvis impersonator as the oh, front man yeah, who would yeah, perform yeah. Zeppelin songs in yeah. an Elvis crooner voice. That's right. You... That was Tortelvis. Yes, Tortelvis. Thank you, producer Dave. <laughs> Tortelvis. Could not think of that cat's name. All right. I got another one for you. Okay. You ever seen the 2001 movie, 3,000 Miles to Graceland? I sure have. You have? Yeah, so with Kevin Nicolas Costner. Cage, right? No, it's Kevin Costner <laughs> and Kurt Russell. 
They, oh, wait, and I haven't seen it. What's the one with Nicolas Cage? Uh, Leaving Las Vegas. But that's not where he dresses up as Elvis. No. Um, <laughs> he does dress up as Elvis in a movie. In which, a movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm uh, blanking right now. Let's just anyway. say it's 3,000 miles to Graceland. So he's 300 also, miles to Graceland. 3,000. No, it's 300. Nicolas Cage version. It was an indie film. 300 it, miles. Yeah. We were closer. Limited distribution. I live closer to Vegas. I live in Pahrump. <laughs> so Kevin Costner, <laughs> Kurt Russell, they play Elvis impersonators okay. in 3,000 miles to Graceland. <laughs> so with the help of an army of other Elvis impersonators, they pull off an epic heist in Las Vegas. Okay. All dressed as Vegas era oh, Elvis. I think I have seen that. <laughs> I knew it. It's it's like, to kick they like, in. They, they uh, parachute the, in. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. It was the parachuting. All right. I thought that would get you. Viva mm. Las Vegas, baby. Well, anyway, this kid, Kevin Curtis. All right. Yes. My dude, uh, Raisin Tupelo, Elvis impersonating child prodigy. All right. <laughs> now, when I say he was steeped in Elvis, uh, his mama was like dunking him in the legacy of Elvis. Right. He, he imagine him as a donut and Elvis is the hot coffee. That's uh-huh. his mama just dunk, 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 right? <laughs> now his mama, Eloise, she'd drive her boy to Memphis, Tennessee, home of Graceland, mm-hmm. and she'd pay to have a tiny Elvis suit be made, a custom made suit for her son, the child prodigy, right? Yeah. The suit handcrafted by Elvis's official suit maker. So was he young Elvis or old Elvis? He, I think he would do kind of uh, the, if he's doing the suits, it's Vegas it's, Elvis. Yeah, it's, it's Viva, older. Yeah, older, like. Okay. You got you to gotta keep an eye on this kid when he goes to the toilet. <laughs> now, his mama Elvis, she didn't just get him the handcrafted Elvis official suit maker suit. She also, to pair with that bespoke Elvis suit, she paid to have a custom belt made. Mm. By Elvis's official belt maker. No way. Yeah, so this they, is like the queen and the royal family. They have like all the official totally. perfumes and whatever. Exactly. Yeah, so now you got to imagine like a big old karate champion style belt encrusted in rhinestones and then shrink that down to kid sized. Right. <laughs> so, now to pay for all this, Eloise, she would take out personal loans. For this trip, it was $3,825. Oh my God. Yeah. But you have to understand, Eloise, she had a special connection with the king. Mm-hmm. She met him once. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, and it, Elvis had performed at the Louisiana Hayride. <laughs> Did she the, want to carry him around on her hip? <laughs> I think so. She actually mentioned that in her uh, oh. diary. Now, this was in his early fame days mm-hmm. when he was coming up. You could still catch Elvis at a hayride. This was <laughs> 1954. Oh, it wasn't like 72. No, it wasn't like 71 hayride. No. So uh, anyway, so these the two clicked when they met at the hayride. Years later, I, I mean decades later, when he was on his way out, you know, when he's all bloated, chomping on pills. What year did he die? 77. Okay. I believe. I'm yeah. not certain. I believe. Whatever. 77. Let's say so. So he, he, this is like shoot out your TV era Elvis. Right, right, right So right. Eloise was in touch with him at, at this point of mm-hmm. his life. And Elvis would call her and then he'd say, well, pray with me, Eloise. Oh, like they and knew they each other. And they would sit on the phone and pray together. Oh, so, okay. So I so thought they it was knew like, each oh, other. I thought it was like she had a Tyne Daly moment. No, no. Where she's like, there's Elvis she half a block like, away. She had like, oh, Elvis is on the phone again. I'm going to go get my bike. My Bible, boy. I mean, I'm wow. going to pray with the king. Wow. Now, so special bomb with the king, right? So she turns her son into, like, the princeling, and she, like, <laughs> you know, eventually... Well, interestingly, he was also a Prince fan, huge Prince fan. Who like, was? The Kevin Curtis. The little He boy. would do, like, like Prince impersonations as so well. So did he, invo- he evolved into Prince? No, no. Well, she wanted him to be become the prince to the king. Right, you know, Elvis, but so he but did just, Elvis impersonations, and then he later did Prince? Yeah, he went from king to prince. That right? is versatile. Yeah, the, the kid had professional pipes. He could sing. This guy, Kevin oh. Curtis, he could he could front a band, right? It, mm. And it's a talent he retained into adulthood. He can still sing, right? Okay. Now, as an adult, he expanded his repertoire of impersonations. He did a really solid version of Buddy Holly. Oh. He also, as I said, he did the Prince songs. He also does a Wicked Kid Rock. He's like a musical Rich Little. Yes, he's just a little jukebox of impersonations. (laughs) 
But you know, but you know, okay. The thing about Kid Rock that I always find funny is uh-huh. he seems like he's from Mississippi, even though the dude was raised really wealthy outside of oh, Detroit. Yeah. yeah. But yet you think, oh, rural South. He's a fancy lad who went south. Totally. I don't. I mean, there's we know about that. But anyway, mm-hmm. so before the, my dude grows up and leaves town, leaves a small South behind. As a teenager, he lost a girlfriend who was his fiance because it's the South, and. uh you know, before they could wed, she died in a car accident. Oh, dear. And, and he was driving. It was really tra- tragic. Sent him into a downward spiral. Then he leaves home, right? Okay. So at this point, he's kind of broken. He ends up living in his car in Chicago. He's oh. eating out of supermarket dumpsters, which, you know, unless you're like one of those like radical freegans, not the best way to live. <laughs> right. So he leaves Chicago, returns home to the South. He, he returns to Tupelo, Mississippi. By then, his late 20s, he does what others do in the South. He gets married. He starts a family, has kids. You know, he has, you're painting a, a broad brush. Sorry, Southerners. Well, no, I'm just saying it's far more common than like <laughs> in, the, in New That's York or San Francisco. People very don't true. understand. Like you have a lot of social pressures. Like, well, you back home. We come down to church. We'll meet you a nice girl. I mean, that is a very Uh common thing. Doesn't matter, black, white, or indifferent. Very true. Very southern, right? Very true. So he gets himself a good job as a janitor, which he spun into a business where he'd hire others to fulfill janitorial contracts. Now he's living the dream. He's working, making money off of other people's labor. Mm -hmm. The American dream, right? He's (laughs) at home lounging. Other people are getting paid, and he's getting paid off their work. Oh, he loves it. And also, meanwhile, he's pursuing his career as an Elvis impersonator. So of course. just living, right? You have to have your hobby. Well, he and his older brother, Jack, they had a group. They called themselves Double Trouble. Oh, like Stevie Ray Vaughan? Yeah, kind of. But if you're wondering, it's a ripoff. they performed and dressed as Elvis, not as Stevie Ray Vaughan. Well, no, his Stevie brother. Ray Vaughan and uh, what's his brother's name? Uh, Something Vaughan. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Vaughan. Yeah, Jimmy Vaughan. There you go. There go. <laughs> nice job. Thank you. So they were brother, both brothers dressed and performed as Elvis, but okay. one was young Elvis, like jailhouse uh, rock era Elvis. The other one was Vegas Elvis. Sort of cats in the cradle. Yeah, exactly. But Elvis. So Sunrise, one's sunset. in rhinestone. One's got like the black hair all greased up. Yikes. Anyway, so young and old Elvis, double trouble, right? Then fate played a hand. Kevin Curtis had a new janitorial contract at a hospital. One day he sees something that would forever change his life, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. The year was 1999. It was December 17th. The Elvis impersonator, he walks in at his day gig. You know, he's buffing the floors in North Mississippi Medical Center in Tupelo. And he's trying to clear the sump pump drain. And you know, that's no fun, right? So he's down there trying to clear the sump pump drain in the floor. And he spots something that horrified him. As Kevin recalled later on, my whole life turned on a dime. Mm. Yeah, right? Let's take a break. When we get back, I'll tell you what Kevin Curtis saw that forever changed him. Excellent. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. 
It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime. It also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. All right, we're back, Elizabeth. You know what I was just thinking? What were you thinking, Elizabeth? How crazy would it be if someone was on PCP and uh-huh. they saw Double Trouble performing? <laughs> Why would the PCP <laughs> factor in? Because it would you'd get brain damage. So they're just like so some... thrown by it. They're, they figure they're uh-huh. hallucinating. They uh, go up and try to uh-huh. fight one of the Elvises because yes. they can't both be they real. Only eat... one Elvis is the true Elvis. He tries to eat their feet. <laughs> I worry about what you think about when we're on break. <laughs> you know, you got to think about something. All right, so it's 1999. Yes, it is. You're going to party like it's 1999. Mm-hmm, it's December 17th. Okay. About to be Y2K. Right. Things Ooh. are kooky. Everybody's like on edge. Ooh-wee. Kevin Curtis is working in a hospital. One of his janitorial contracts I told you about, while he's working, he's asked to leave his usual gig. They're like, normally he'd be like slopping up mess on the ER floor, you know, scooping up you know, blood with the mop. Yeah. Anyway, this night he's asked to go clean up a different sort of mess. It's actually rough business, Elizabeth. His, okay. As Kevin Curtis, he recounted in an article with a GQ magazine. He said, I'm slipping and sliding in blood and guts. After three hours, I'm dehydrated, sweating, burning up. Gotta have something to drink, right? So uh-huh. he's down there mopping up whatever this mess was. He goes on the hunt for like a Dr. Pepper or something cold like that. Pops open a fridge. There are no cold drinks, Elizabeth. None oh, whatsoever. No God. Dr. Pepper for this poor man. What kind of hospital is Instead, this? Instead, peering back at him was a severed head. Oh, I thought you were going to say he found, like, a rabbit-human hybrid. No, but that'd be great, though. No, instead it's just this man's head in a bag staring at him. A head. So as as Kevin Curtis remembered it, quote, First thing I saw was an arm wrapped in a plastic with a barcode and a leg wrapped in plastic. The whole bottom portion of the refrigerator was legs, arms, feet, hands, and eyes, and a brain. Oh, And at the eye level of the fridge was the severed head of a man I'd seen alive in the ER a couple nights before. Oh, no. Right? So he's shook. He's absolutely just uh, beside himself, right? Yeah, so much. The fridge is chock-a-block with chilled body parts, horrifies him to his innocent core, right? Then things got worse. I think I'd faint. Kevin Curtis. Yeah, (laughs) You would. I would totally. Yeah. The next night, he's back at work. Kevin gets called upstairs for a meeting in an executive's office. He's escorted there by security. And this is not just any executive's office, Elizabeth. He was taken to the hospital CEO's office. Uh-oh. Yeah. A man named Jeff Barber. Okay. So this cat, Jeff the Barber Beefcake, the CEO of the hospital, he's not alone. In his office were five other men. Oh. Yeah. They all had suits on, looking official. They have some legal documents on a table. Kevin was told he'd need to sign the documents because uh, he was, in a word, 
a bit reluctant when he was told this. It says, uh, I, Paul K. Curtis, agree that on December the 17th, I was in an area of the hospital I was not authorized to be in, and I'm going to be suspended without pay while this matter is being investigated? Yikes. Kevin Curtis, he didn't cotton to that, Elizabeth. No, 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 no. He done nothing wrong, right? So he's, as he tells it, quote, I stood up and I said, that's a lie, and I'm not signing that. This has something to do with those body parts I found. They yanked the phone up, dialed four digits, six security guards grabbed me, tackled me, handcuffed me, walked me across the street and said, you are hereby banned for life from the North Mississippi Medical Center. Oh. Right? Kevin Curtis becomes convinced that the largest hospital in Tupelo is actually part of a dark trade. It was black market organ harvesting. Well, I would just think they're just like doing it for scientific research. One would think with the barcodes and all, you know. (laughs) Anyway, this starts a crusade for him to go warn the public about the body parts. Of course. Yeah, we got got organ harvesters at Tupelo. Well, and if I am going to get that news broken to me, I want someone to look like Elvis when they're telling me this. A trusted figure. Yes. (laughs) So this, uh, this choice to start this crusade warning the public about the organ harvesters, it goes about as well as you might guess. It ruins uh-huh. his life. Oh. Yeah, so he gets active online. He finds forums of like-minded conspiracy theorists. He tells them what all he knows, what he saw firsthand, and what he was pressured to do. His MySpace page becomes this like <laughs> scroll of body harvesting focused posts. Oh, Friends man. begin to distance themselves. <laughs> Elizabeth family worries about him. They confront him. They're like, you need to stop. And he's like, this only makes me go harder. Oh, no. Because, you know, he's being suppressed, right? Well, sure, so, sure. Due to his crusade to bring back the black black market organ harvesting cabal into the light kevin curtis loses his job then he gets a new right? one he loses that job oh no then he loses the one after that and the one after that starting a long string of jobs right like he also loses gigs as an elvis impersonator oh because no. okay well, just imagine you're in the crowd elizabeth and uh-huh. you expect to hear suspicious eyes afterward do you not expect to hear suspicious eye brokers in your local hospital <laughs> right so wait so he was like telling everyone from stage he'd be up on stage at like the tupelo elvis festival uh-huh. and kevin Kurtz decided he'd educate the whole gathered crowd about all the dangers lurking in the corridors of their biggest hospital well, like i said if you got to hear it hear it from elvis <laughs> from elvis that's the one, right? But his brother Jack was up there standing on stage with him because remember, oh, it was double trouble. Double trouble, right? Okay. So he had to listen to Kevin Curtis ranting about the organ harvesters, and he knew immediately this is bad for double trouble. Mm-hmm. As he said, I thought, oh my God, we'll never sing again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there like footage of this? I would pay so much to go back in time. I'm sure you can find a VHS and recording. be there to watch him do this do rant. Do the rant, yeah. In, oh, in full Elvis I'm regalia. I'm just going to have to imagine another it. Elvis is standing there embarrassed. And, the, and then the guy next to me is on PCP. <laughs> that you've given to him. Uh-huh. So from this point on, Kevin Curtis, he begins a long run of like run-ins with the law, right? He's just like constantly getting arrested over and over and over again. Most of the charges, they're misdemeanors. So he's getting busted for like public intoxication, things like Mm. that. He gets busted 22 times over a 13-year period. Wow. Yeah. So that wasn't all. Because over that same period, his house burned down. Oh, my God. His car exploded in separate events. Wait. Oh, yeah. His wife, though, Laura, she said it was their fault the car exploded because the battery was not wired correctly. So she can't... What is going on in the car that they're like, well, you know, we had the regular wiring and we thought, let's try something a little different. Let's see if we can juice the air conditioning. And then it made it blow up? Yes, apparently. That's what she says. That's not how that works, I don't think. I didn't see the reports, but yeah. I'm not a mechanic. No, but... But uh, I don't think it works Between you, me, and the shade tree over there, I'm saying (laughs) it's hanky. Now, Laura, wife, she can't endure all this, right? So she and the kids, they leave. Now, meanwhile, Kevin's concentrated on his MySpace page crusade, you know. So his posts, meanwhile, they always ended in this really dystopian, messianic, kind of rather cryptic sign-off. All of his posts would be like, 
I am KC and I approve this message. <gasps> That's amazing. Yeah. So at this point, people <laughs> Wait, are worried. MySpace is the one where you had music on your landing yeah, page. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. And your list I'm of favorite people. I'm just trying to imagine. I'm, I'm visualizing his MySpace yeah. and I'm trying to think of this. Tom time. was worried about him. Tom from MySpace <laughs> exactly. is like, bro, sending, Dude, sending him Tom. little messages. Anyway, so to those who are worried about my man's mental health, Kevin Curtis would gladly, proudly, defiantly tell them, they ruined my career, burned down my home, killed my dogs, my cat, my rabbit, blew up my car, destroyed my marriage, had me arrested 22 times, and you want me to quit? I will keep on fighting until Jesus Christ decides it's time for me to go. So wow. he ain't giving up, is what I'm saying. Wow. Now you may be thinking, uh, I can hear it, Zaren. I hear how this guy might spiral to the point that he'd send an envelope of rice into the White I House. I can hear it, Zaren. And you'd be wrong, Elizabeth. Oh. But we'd all be wrong because we all think we can hear it because it's right there, right? Yeah. It makes so much sense. Totally. We know this story, but this is ridiculous crime, Elizabeth, not CNN. <laughs> so trust that this will go nowhere where you think it will go. <laughs> Enter Kevin Curtis's arch enemy and sworn rival, Everett Duchki. But in the South, they pronounced it Dusky. Okay. So Wait, he has a he has, has a nemesis? A nemesis and arch rival. That's amazing. Everett Duchki, Dusky, he was a Tupelo micro-celebrity of his own nature. Yes. Oh, no. Like Kevin Curtis, Everett was a Taekwondo instructor. Okay. He was also a local musician. Originally from Kentucky, he was born in Louisville. Uh, his family later migrated to Texas. And just like Kevin Curtis, in his teen years, he was also visited by tragedy. His older brother died of suicide. Oh, God. So that sent Everett inward, right? And it made him mean. According to his own father, Lennis Dutchke, quote, that was probably the event that caused him to learn how to hate. Oh. Now, so eventually, as an adult, old Edward Dutchke, he becomes a martial arts instructor, specifically Taekwondo, but he couldn't keep a gig. He kept getting fired. He was fired one place for stealing. At another dojo, he was fired for sleeping with the married mother of one of his students. <laughs> oh, God. Of course, he claimed innocent, Elizabeth. It wasn't his fault. He did nothing wrong. And then he even, he made good on it. He married the student's mother. Once she divorced her husband, and oh. their marriage only lasted six months. Oh. Anyway, at some point, he moves to Tupelo, all right? So okay. once there, he starts an independent newspaper, because, of course, you need Wait, an you independent you moved to town and start a paper? <laughs> yes. Okay. So the tagline for the newspaper was, quote, I will print any story in northeast Mississippi, no matter how big or small or controversial. If the Daily Journal will not tell your story, I will. Amazing. Now, the Daily Journal, that's the big paper in Tupelo. That quote, by the way, is what Kevin Curtis recalled reading. This local indie paper, it's no longer in print. I couldn't find stuff online. Uh -huh. uh, very scant few copies apparently remain to check. So we'll have to take his word for it. Yeah. But anyway, this tagline that stuck with Kevin Curtis. He goes, he had a story to tell, all right? So 2006, he tracked down Edward Duchke, who by then was working in the same office as Kevin Curtis's wife, Laura. Oh. Right? So when Kevin Curtis spotted Everett at his wife's work party... He's like, this yeah. is my opportunity. Meant to be. He'd already called him with his story at this point, and Everett had yet to respond. So Kevin came into the moment a little heated. Take it away, <laughs> Kevin. I walk over to Dutchie and I say, hey, I'm Kevin Curtis. I reach out to shake his hand. I say, so did you get my phone call, my message? I thought you'd print any story, no matter how controversial. Now, at this point in his life, Dutchkey had been many things, right? He'd been a broadcaster. He'd worked as an insurance salesman. He was an aspiring local musician, not to mention Taekwondo instructor. Right. And central to his sense of self was he was a member of Mensa. We, uh, we'll come uh -huh. back to that later. Anyway, meanwhile, at this point, Everett has decided to take a turn in politics. So that's the perfect profession for a man like him who's unlikable and mean, right? <laughs> so he runs for state legislature. Oh, he went big. Yeah. So when he and Kevin Curtis met, he had other things in his indie paper on his mind. He was thinking about his future in politics. And he told Kevin Curtis as much. He told him he wouldn't publish a story about the big hospital, not while I'm running for state legislature, right? So Kevin Curtis calls him a liar to his face. 
And there he is at uh-huh. his wife's work party, right? Oh, and he's getting heated about organ harvesting and body brokers. <laughs> Never a good look. No. And Kevin Curtis, he loses sight of all of this because he's focused on the truth, Elizabeth. Right. And I say... And I quote, I said, oh, so you're a liar. Your paper says you'll print any story, no matter how big or controversial. I got a story. So are you going to interview me? (laughs) This is all happening at a work party. At the work party. His wife, Laura, recalled that first meeting of Kevin Curtis and Everett Dutchke. She saw her coworker, her work friend, mind you, sweating and shaking. And I don't know why. So she told her husband to leave Everett alone, right? And Kevin (laughs) did. He leaves the party. Everett Dutchke turns to Laura and says, I never want to see that guy again. This marked the beginning of their seven-year-long feud. Oh, no. Now, interestingly, these two men have a lot in common on the surfaces. They were both taekwondo-kicking martial arts instructors. They were uh-huh. both local musicians. They both liked Laura. Sure. They, they were both local legends. And as Laura recalled about Everett Dutchke, Elizabeth, quote, he dressed funny. He'd wear a pinstripe suit, and he would wear that same suit all the time. He was just a different character. <laughs> So you got this guy walking around Tupelo in, in the same pinstripe suit, flashing his Mensa badge to anyone who will listen, strolling along on his way down to the dojo where he teaches local <laughs> kids to kick ass. That's local just, legend if I've ever heard it. I, there are two two main characters in this town, and there's only room for one. <laughs> there you go. Now, that's not all, Elizabeth. Everett Dutchke, he also had a band, because remember, musician. Of course. So while Kevin Curtis and his brother had double trouble, the young Elvis, old Elvis, Vegas Elvis duet, Dutchke, he didn't have a family act. No, not him. Remember, mean and unlikable. Yeah, yeah. So he had a blues act, because of course he's going to sing the blues. Sort of a one-man band affair. He was called Dusty and the Robodrum. <laughs> I wanted him to be called Double Bubble. <laughs> he was described. He described his uh, band as quote progressive guitar funktronica for smart people. Oh, for smart people. Well, count me out. Yeah, he made music for you and your people, Elizabeth. <laughs> no. Smart people with curious uh-uh. musical taste. Not a lick. But old Dusty and the Robodrum, they were even worse than you might imagine. Okay. And I know you're imaginative. So, <laughs> Brock Robbins. There's this guy, Brock Robbins. He, he ran an open mic night at a spot called Boondocks. Now, Brock <laughs> recalled to GQ how he, he grew to resent whenever old Dusty and the Robodrum would grace his stage. <laughs> It was, it was horrible. I just, Every- uh, just Dusty and the Robodrum at Boondock? Yes, exactly. Come on, it's open mic much. night. It's too much. Well, he said, and I quote, it was horrible. Every time he got up there, the entire bar just flooded outside. My open mic night was his first act of terrorism. He killed it. <laughs> Now, on the face of it, as I said, you might think these two local legends could be actual friends. I mean, like, why do they have to be sworn rivals? They they both like Laura. They're both uh-huh. musicians. I, I run it down. Right. But even, even Laura, the wife, she said, quote, I told Kevin they really should be friends because they are so alike. They were both singers. Dutchkey published a paper and Kevin wrote papers. Dutchkey hated Steve Holland and Kevin hated this person and that person. So they had hate in common. But you may be wondering, Zaren, Steve Holland, who's Steve Holland? Yeah, who just dropped Steve, Steve Holland into the story steve holland he was a local politician and he was everett's opponent for state legislature oh, seat the steve yes holland. yeah he was a character too he was a longtime democratic incumbent from the area to make some noise in his race old everett uh, compared his opponent to boss hogg from dukes of hazard yes uh, when that didn't work he alleged that holland was somehow responsible for 9-11 wait yes so wait. As, as holland recalled How? of this really wild cap campaign he said i'd never stood eyeball to eyeball or with the man, but for some reason he just hated the hell out of me. He called me everything from gay to communist, everything but a child of God. I mean, he had no campaign or agenda except to cut my nuts out. But you gotta get your up early and go to bed late to beat my 
I have held this seat for 30 years. I can absolutely make love to a bull moose on the steps of the Lee County Courthouse and garner more than 5% of the vote. Whoa. <laughs> so that's Steve Holland. Okay. So in the end, he prevailed. He beat Everett Tuchke <laughs> 68 to 27% of the vote. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so me, it's not like, oh, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. It's like I, I could, could sex do up a bull, bull moose. On the oh my god! And he said this before Trump said the thing, right. so this predates that. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, so how how is he responsible for nine eleven? What did he do? Oh, it's just we local don't know. talk. Yeah, he like he knew Muhammad Atta. I don't know. I don't know whatever he said. <laughs> he owns a flight He was school. roommates with Muhammad Atta, or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> meanwhile, when he was not in his public spat with Steve Holland, Dutchkey was still privately feuding with Kevin Curtis. Uh-huh. So he would stalk his MySpace page. The, this was the one dedicated to organ harvesting. Kevin Curtis <laughs> alleged that Dutchkey was on his page sometimes like 75 times a day, okay. which is crazy, right? So one day he sets a trap for his rival. So he baited the trap with something irresistible to old Everett Dutchkey, an ego-based trap, Elizabeth. Can you guess what he said it with? No. Remember how I said he was a Mensa member? Who knows? Oh, a, a, like IQ test? No. The perfect spot to hit is the soft underbelly. <laughs> this guy's soft underbelly is Mensa membership. So can I ask you a question, Elizabeth? Sure, of course. Elizabeth, are you now or have you ever been a member of Mensa? Of course not. Really? Why not? There's no way I would qualify for Mensa. Also, I kind of feel like, I don't know. I don't really trust IQ tests. Oh, okay. So. All right. Um, well, my, my father was a member of Mensa. He used to tell people that. I guess I do qualify, but I don't join clubs. So, so screw that, is. right? So you, but you already know that. But for some people, though, being at a club like Mensa, super important. It was definitely, oh, yeah, no, there are it people. gives them identity. It gives uh-huh. them a sense of like superiority. Right. Everett Dutchke, he was one of those people. So Kevin Curtis had figured that out. So he put on his MySpace page that he was also a member of Mensa <laughs> and he posted a fake certificate proving it. Nice. Just a few short hours later at 8.05 p.m. local time, Kevin Curtis received an email. Kevin, I put up with your lies silently for a long time, but this one I cannot abide. I am an officer in Mensa, Kevin. Of this, I am certain you are aware. What you were not aware of is that we keep very good records of who is and who is not a Mensa member. So he uh. consulted those records, and he told <laughs> Kevin Curtis that in the email. There is one person named Kevin Curtis from New York and one named Paul Curtis from Kentucky. I know you are not either of them. I'm giving you one day to remove your fraudulent claims from your website. By the way, Kevin, you cannot be both genius and ret- at the same time. Your claim of being a gigging musician is one thing. Claiming to be playing at a Montgomery theater when D.L. Hewley was there and claiming (laughs) to be on tour with Carrie Underwood are harmless lies that everyone simply laughs at you for. But this claim is no laughing matter. This is a serious fraud. One day is all you have, Kevin. Just one day. So that's the email he receives. Trap is now sprung. So oh. Kevin Curtis did not do as ever Dutchkey demanded. He did not take down the of fake Mensa not. certificate. He kept it up. The day passed. Kevin Curtis received another email. True to their mutual status as Taekwondo experts, uh-huh. Dutchkey challenged Kevin Curtis to come down to his dojo. I will meet you next Tuesday at my school at 1 p.m. and we can finish this once and for all. So how does Kevin <laughs> Curtis respond? I don't know. Does he go down to the JoJo Elizabeth? Yes. Would his fists of justice prevail? Yes. Yes. Let's take a break. And Ah. after these ads, I will take you down to the JoJo. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. 
The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, Elizabeth, we're back. Yay. You ready to go to the dojo? <laughs> totally I know you love ready. dojos. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kevin Curtis, he gets all geed up in his martial arts gear, <laughs> and he headed down to Edward Dutchkey's dojo. And when he got there, nothing. There's no Dutchkey. So Kevin Curtis took to MySpace. I posted on MySpace. I drove to Taekwondo Plus to have a meeting with Everett Dutchke, and the coward has let the building. So. They were going to have a karate showdown? Yes, at the Taekwondo oh Dojo. God. Now, if you ask Everett Dutchke, he was there that day at Taekwondo Plus, and it was Kevin <laughs> Curtis who never came through. Taekwondo <laughs> Plus. Like Cost Plus totally. World So... And I guess we'll never know the truth of what happened that day. All we know is that there was no mano e mano down at the dojo. Right. So, yet they weren't done. Because these two nunchuck-swinging local rock and rollers and their bitter feud, it was about to go national. Oh. You ready? I am so ready. On a Wednesday morning, April 2013, an envelope arrived at the Tupelo Justice Courthouse. 
Mm-hmm. Someone in the mailroom noticed this envelope was awfully suspicious. So they noted it and they called up to the judge who was for. The envelope was addressed to Judge Sadie Holland. She was told about the envelope when she went down to the mailroom to retrieve it. And by the way, Judge Sadie Holland, you may have guessed, is State Rep Steve Holland's mother. Oh. Yeah, that kind of South power. Oh. So she's just as much of a character. She told GQ the story of receiving this envelope. Mm-hmm. Well, sure enough, it's just something loose in that envelope. I pulled the letter out. I read the letter out loud. And, of course, all the mailroom girls had already played with the letter and shook it. And they came in there to listen. And then I smelled of it. It didn't have an odor to it. I thought it was a joke. I told them, oh, I'm sure it's someone that I performed a wedding for. They've been to the beach and they're just sending me some sand. What? Oh, it was oh not sand, God. Elizabeth. It was ricin. It was actually. It was she ri- sniffed actual on it? ricin. Yes, and which is typically a very fatal poison. Yeah, like just no treatment, nothing. Just put them in the Borg and make some whiskey out of their bones. Right. So two matching envelopes were also sent: one to President Barack Obama and the other to a Mississippi State Senator. The letter inside the envelopes—they sure sounded like the words of one Kevin Curtis. No one wanted to listen to me before. There are still missing pieces. Maybe I have your attention now. Even if that means someone must die, this must stop. To see a wrong and not expose it is to become a silent partner to its continuance. I am KC and I approve this message. Now, that last line was the tell, right? That was the one. Now, it took the FBI about exactly one Google search to come across the MySpace page of one Kevin Curtis of Tupelo, Mississippi. They raided his home just days later. But Did you know, Judge rather, Sadie die from sniffing on that? No, this is, this is not the 1%. No, okay. no one died. I would have told you that. Well, I figured, yes. but like, I just, how, okay. But you know what, but rather than me just tell you about all this, like, oh, the FBI raided him, I'd prefer that you close your eyes. My eyes are closed. And you picture it. It's April 17th, 2013, and you, Elizabeth, are a Chihuahua Jack Russell Terrier mix. Yes. One with a very wow. unique coat. You are colored like a Holstein cow. This mm. explains your name, Moo Cow. You are the dog of Kevin Curtis. You two are just rocking and rolling down the road back home. The windows are down. Your little paws are up on the edge of the door. Your head in the wind. Your tongue lolls out of your mouth. It's doggy heaven for you. You live alone with Kevin Curtis, just the two of you. You've just had dinner at Laura's house with the kids, and now you're almost home. Kevin slows as he gets close to home. He waves at his neighbors, but they don't wave back. They just sort of stare with rather limpid faces, as if they're waiting for something to happen. You hop down and saunter over to Kevin's side of the truck and you climb into his lap. At the wheel of his white Ford Escape, you feel safe, as if you were lying nuzzled by your mom. Kevin pulls to a stop, he opens the door and steps out to check his mailbox. That's when it happens. All of the federal agents in their trucks and patrol cars, their undercover sedans, their blacked out Suburbans, they all descend on the white Ford Escape. They surround you and Kevin Curtis. Then, the agents rush from their vehicles, and a mass of officers from different agencies and bureaus, it's alphabet soup. FBI, ATF, Secret Service, Capitol Police, Homeland Security, local police, state police, they're all there. Men in bulletproof vests run up at you in the Ford Escape. Their assault rifles raised and aimed at Kevin Curtis. There are also service firearms in hand, aimed at you. Kevin Curtis spins around to see who the feds are here to capture, but there's no one behind him. He spins back around. It's him. They're here for him. Ah, one of the cops screams at Kevin Curtis, Freeze! Do not move! Do not resist! We will shoot you! You hear your guy, Kevin, meekly ask, Me? The cop doesn't answer his question. Instead, he shouts back, Shut up! Get out of the car! Get on the ground! 
you don't like this cop at all or his attitude. And since you're a Chihuahua Jack Russell Terrier mix, you have no fear. So you start <laughs> right? barking at this armed cop. And the Kevin reaches up and scoops you up from the driver's seat of his Ford Escape. He turns back to face the gaggle of guns that are now pressed at him. You hear Kevin tell the guys with guns in his face, okay, I've got my little moo cow. Now the cops don't like that. They shout back, drop the dog, drop the dog. Kevin is not trying to hear that. He asks, can I just take her back inside and secure her? Definitely not. Kevin sets you back down on the driver's seat. You bark to be picked back up. But the agents, they grab Kevin Curtis. They shove him to the Mississippi soil. They handcuff him. He asks the officers, am I being arrested? The agents just respond gruffly. Don't ask questions. We'll ask the questions. You're glad to hear Kevin ask about you. But what about my dog? One of the cops, he's holding an assault rifle. He approaches the Ford Escape and he tries to grab you by the collar. He's all like all force, no finesse. So you growl at him and then you run. You bound past the cop, you hit the ground running, you don't hesitate. The Jack Russell Terrier part, those jeans take over, you are gone. <laughs> and you disappear into the brush. You hear Kevin Curtis shouting, my dog, what about Moo Cow? Aww. The cops say you, Moo Cow, will be fine. Kevin Curtis, he doesn't believe this. He asks the cops, sir, can you please take off your sunglasses so I can see your eyes? Excuse me? Kevin explains himself, I want to see your eyes when, when you tell me she'll be fine because I don't think you give a damn about Moo Cow. Now, this is the last thing you hear before Kevin Curtis is tossed in the back of a paddy wagon van. Next stop, Oxford, Mississippi, to be interrogated by the agents from Alphabet Soup. Oh, God. Okay, so now that he's in custody, Kevin Curtis, he spent three hours chained to a chair all by himself in an interrogation room, confused what's going on, why he's been arrested, yeah. and he also needs to pee. So oh, finally no. someone comes in, they, they take him to the bathroom, he gets some relief. Quote, three agents walk me to a restroom, open the stall, and they say, I know it's uncomfortable, but we have to watch you have a bowel movement. I say, you going to wipe me too? Uh, now, the agents, they, they're from all these various letter bureaus. They started to crack open the nut that is Kevin Curtis, yeah. right? So they told him the victims of what he's done are in the hospital. There's one girl barely clinging to life. Now, this is what we call in the interrogation business call a lie. <laughs> so no one was in the hospital. Okay. The agents just wanted to scare Kevin so he would blurt out what he's done, right? right. And I'm like, what? What was in the what? Then they won't tell me. They want me to say it. So this goes on for a while. Finally, the guy from Homeland Security, he just runs out of patience. He's like, oh, for Christ's sakes. He just said, are you familiar with ricin? And Kevin Curtis had never once in his life heard of ricin. He didn't even really hear what the agent said. He's like, and I said, I don't like rice. I don't even really uh. eat rice. If y'all look in my house, you won't find any rice. <laughs> so the agent actually, like now he's had to like correct the good old boy from Tupelo. He's like, no. Ricin, Mr. Curtis, ricin, <laughs> like anthrax. And I say, I've never heard of that in my life, sir. He says, you are a liar. And I was like, huh? Now, smash cut to seven hours later. Uh -huh. The agents were all worn out. Kevin Curtis has just like got them <laughs> frustrated. He's just about as dumb as ricin now as he was seven hours earlier. So the agents know we don't have our guy. This, yeah. this guy yeah. can't be it. Finally, they know that they aren't getting anywhere. And they ask me, do you have any enemies? Do you know of anyone who wants to harm you? <laughs> and I say, yeah, ever Duchki. At this point, Kevin Curtis was released from custody, and the FBI Homeland Security folks, they went after their new target, the Mensa member, Everett Duchki. Yes. Meanwhile, a small miracle occurred for old Kevin Curtis. Remember, up to this point, he's basically been the organ harvester guy yeah, around Tupelo. Yeah. Well, now he's the wrongly accused of attempting to murder the president guy by the <laughs> feds. So they love this. He's the, he's this conspiracy-minded man's idea of a hero, right, right? Right, The locals, they changed review of old Kevin Curtis, but he's still the same guy. So... On April 23rd, 2013, on the steps of the courthouse, he gave a press conference upon his release. No. And the press asked, 
what he planned to do next. <laughs> Elizabeth, <laughs> Kim Curtis had answers. Find my dog, Moo Cow. Yeah, she right. She got away when Homeland Security swarmed in on me when I went to go check my mail. I haven't heard anything. I'm just really worried about her. I bought a fish a, a week before, and now his brother's standing behind it on the court steps. <laughs> poor brother. He's got this great helmet of hair, right? Just uh-huh. amazing hair. And he interrupts and say, I found her. Now, Kevin Curtis is taken aback a moment. He continued, you got Moo Cow? My brother's found Moo Cow. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> so you see, y'all probably know more than I know, but yeah, she's an amazing dog, and I want to get to her. I want to get to my children. I haven't seen any of my children in a week. So my son, my 16-year-old, got his first car that my ex-wife and I were working on getting him, and I missed his first play when he was a bumblebee, when he was nine years old from, go- from going to jail. So I- I've been to jail over 20 times, and I've never been convicted of anything so far. So the, the press at this point is like, what the, this is amazing. So order of business for this guy is see MoCow, yeah. then go see kids. Then, I was going to say, it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, it was like once that. we established MoCow. He was looking okay. out for you, right? I know, right? So later on in this press conference, Curtis, he speaks to his plans to repay his lawyer for her work. Because she just came in and said, are you guilty? He's like, no, I didn't do it. He's like, I'll be your lawyer, right? So now she's one of the people he wants to repay, as well as all of the citizens of the area who are afflicted with sore feet. And I quote, I would like to add that right now I can't really afford to pay her the million that she's worth, but I am a licensed, certified reflexologist, and I'm going to start with foot massage therapy with Christy. That's his lawyer who was standing right next uh-huh. to him, awkwardly laughing through this, uh-huh. who's going to be my first client, and I'm going to donate 100,000 hours to community service Northeast Mississippi to all you ladies who need foot massage therapy. What? That's my random act of kindness. This, uh, <laughs> there's just... I, yes, exactly. I can't process Elvis everything happening. Yeah. Oh, that's right, <laughs> So too. for those oh keeping score, 100,000 hours of community service, I did the math on that, that would work out to be 4,166 <laughs> full 24-hour days of massage <laughs> with 16 hours of one extra day just to make the math work out. So 4,166 and two-thirds days. Mm-hmm. And if you were wondering, I also did the math on that, that would be 11.41 years worth of time. I'm All solid. of it spent massaging strangers' feet 24 no hours a day. That may be worse than going to prison for 11 years. I would years. say so. Anyway, meanwhile, Feds, they're closing in on their real culprit, the certified evil genius and martial arts right. instructor, Everett Dutchke. Four days after Kevin Curtis walked out of custody, the federal agents arrest Everett Dutchke. Didn't take long for the FBI to prove that they had the right man this time. FBI agents had one witness Dutchke leaving his dojo carrying, quote, the box for a Black & Decker smart grind coffee grinder. And as well, there was, quote, a box containing latex gloves that went along with the dusk mask that was testing positive for ricin. Then there was his desktop computer. That's where the feds found a dock on his hard drive. Quote, standard operating procedure for ricin, which describes safe handling and storage methods for ricin. If that wasn't enough, there were also the digital (laughs) records from eBay and PayPal that documented the Dutchkey had paid for 50 red castor bean seeds on or about November 17th, 2012. And he made a second purchase of 50 red castor beans on or about December 1st. If you were wondering, ricin is made out of castor bean seeds. So the certified evil genius had just committed the world's dumbest version of domestic terrorism. (laughs) I mean, he just left a path. (laughs) Exactly. Just just all the trail for you. Right. Right to his front door. Now, all in all, his vain attempt to frame his rival, the Elvis impersonating martial arts instructing local legend, mm-hmm. Kevin Curtis suddenly had a leg to stand on in the ear of his community. As he put, after 13 years, I've been banging on every door. Here I am. I got fired and banned from the hospital after finding a refrigerator full of body parts. My house burned down and my car exploded. My wife let me. I lost my business. Now I've been framed for trying to assassinate the president with ricin. Now, will somebody listen to me? So, oh my God. not only did locals listen, but... Uh, 
Kevin Curtis was flown out to New York. He appeared on The Daily Show when Jon Stewart was still the host. And when it was, it was funny. good. <laughs> yes, and he also spoke with Piers Morgan back when he had a show on CNN. He's always been bad. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin Curtis was treated as a kook by them, as you might imagine. Right. But he was no longer the laughable, pitiable figure he once was. He was now a cautionary tale, Elizabeth, of the internet age. A man who had survived a personal conspiracy theory weaponized against right. him. So, meanwhile, Everett Dutchke, if you were wondering, tried, convicted, sentenced to... 25 years in federal well, prison. Yeah. He went to the big house at age 41, which coincidentally makes him one year younger than Elvis when he died on the toilet. Oh. So there you go. What's a ridiculous takeaway, Elizabeth? Ooh, these are some broken folks. I know, right? But you know, like, you, you think about what if it really was like an organ harvesting thing that he stumbled <laughs> he's actually upon. correct. And this poor guy, I mean, he's just... <laughs> he's just distracted away from it this entire it. time. Exactly. He's actually a double hero. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, uh, my ridiculous takeaway, once again, thank you for asking. Didn't uh, ask. I is, didn't ask. Dude, how powerful is Elvis? Right? Right? I mean, just like, I, I love the idea that the mom is praying with him. That's a nice, sweet moment. Uh-huh. But that, that uh, you know, we can get both 3,000 miles to Graceland and this story out of one man. One man. Just powerful cultural so figure. incredible. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for y'all. That's beautiful. As always, you can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on Twitter and Instagram. We have a website, RidiculousCrime.com. We do. We have uh, the Talkbacks. Hey, speaking what? of talkbacks, yes. uh, I kind of feel some coming on. Ooh, you got you got one to play? Mm-hmm. Yes. Talkbacks. Oh my God, did he just say that? OMG. Hello, I would just like to say that I enjoy your programs, your podcasts immensely. I'm a truck driver that drive the long highways and back roads of New Zealand. And when I'm listening to your podcast, I find that time goes by much quickly. I feel very entertained. So please keep up the work. That was nice. Anyway, you can always email us if you want, ridiculouscrimegmail.com. And, uh, Leave more talkbacks. We do like these. We do so. love these. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by our resident kung fu master, Dave Kustin. Researches by Marissa. Big Mama Thornton invented rock and roll. Brown. And Andrea, you damn right. Song, Sharp and Tear. Our theme song is by Thomas, the Finnish Elvis, Lee, and Travis, the Bohemian Carl Perkins, Dutton. The host wardrobe provided by Botany 500. Executive producers are Ben. What would Jerry Reed do? Bolin and Noel. Wait, wasn't he on an episode of Scooby-Doo? Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes 
their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.